Welcome to Hodlers episode eight. Today we're joined by Nick, who has a lot going on. He's the founder of Odd Future. He has a lot of NFT projects going on. And we're just going to talk about the NFT space, his projects, and yeah, we'll get straight into it. So we're just going to start off with your journey, and then we'll get into all the other stuff. Sure. So yeah, for the people watching, who is who is Nick, aka Kind Warrior? Who are you? And tell us about your life right now, your schedule. Sure, yeah. I'll uh, do the shortened version, or the uh, <laughs> like, uh, less, less uh, biography version. So my name is Nick. Uh, I'm out of Vancouver, BC, and I currently, uh, with my partner, Larry, uh, have a creative studio called Odd Future that we're helping lifestyle brands uh, consult uh, as well as build projects with um, all facets uh, in Web3. So that's our kind of current, we've been in it for maybe six to eight months. It feels like, you know, six to eight years by <laughs> now, but... Uh, it's shocking that it's only been six to eight months. Yeah, it goes very fast in the crypto space, doesn't it? Like the entire right. crypto space has been around for like, it feels like it's around like two years. Obviously, Bitcoin started like 10 years ago, whatever. But we've yes. only been in it for like a year, two years, and it feels like a lifetime already. <laughs> like it's gone yeah, very fast. I mean, the the NFT space specifically has been. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Obviously obviously very uh just evolves very fast as, as and it's evolving very fast in front of our eyes right now as well so gone through i feel like three to four cycles already <laughs> like six to eight months it's pretty crazy yeah yeah that's uh, a, a sentiment i feel as well um for those of you that don't know me nft dad also tyler i, I live in south surrey british columbia pretty close to vancouver i've been to a few of uh nick's events uh he's um odd future you know has become kind of like a bit of a hub in the Vancouver space for in real life builders and folks wanting to learn more about NFTs and have gone to about three of his events uh, where he brings people together. And, uh, you know, it always starts off sort of bull market. It was a very different sort of group of meeting where, where we he'd talk a lot about, you know, which projects are killing it and what to keep the eyes on, not financial advice, but really got people together. And then in the spare market, been, been to a meeting there, it was quite a different sentiment, but also extremely helpful and useful to see a group of people in real life in this community, um, you know, coming together and, and sharing experiences. So that that's uh, my, my original sort of introduction to Nick and the work he does is was through Twitter, through uh, Kind Warrior, and then realizing Odd Future was in Vancouver, which is nearby me. And then <clears throat> I, I was in the NFT space um, in October, November, just the tail end of the bull run. And, uh, you know, magic, magic internet money everywhere, a really intoxicating experience and got into it that way. Nick, I'd love to hear from, from you, like, take us through a little bit of what, what was that? What was the Genesis mint of Nick in this space? Uh, what got you into crypto? Was it crypto first NFT? How did, how did that little, how did that experience unfold for you? Sure. So I'll give the uh, long form version now of, uh, how I got here. <laughs> yeah. So yeah my 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 journey has been you know much like i think a lot of a lot of people in in the space i got into the crypto space in probably 2016 2017 so i was kind of part of that first first crash or not the first crash probably the second second or third crash um when there was a lot of hype on bitcoin especially during that time i I uh, was using Quadriga at the time as well, um, um, the platform, the exchange in Canada that that uh, 
the the founder um, died suddenly with the with the with the keys and and everything. So uh, if you guys haven't checked it out, you should check. There's a I think documentary on CB CBC or CBS or whatever um, on his life and the story of Quadriga. So it kind of left a sour taste in my mouth. That's primarily primarily where I was trading mostly uh, Bitcoin and then a bit of Ethereum as, as well at that time. Uh, so I have lost a lot of my crypto uh, in that exchange. I, I, still, I think I still get emails from them. Uh, I think they're going through litigation right now. So maybe maybe one day I'll see my crypto again. But I yeah, left a pretty bad taste in my mouth at that time. So uh, I pretty much quit. I just gave up on all that stuff for a good solid year to two years. Uh, then, of course, like COVID hit and much like everybody else, we all got a little bit bored at home. Um, and I started, you know, crypto started moving again, as did stocks and everything else. And, you know, we, we kind of entered this really lucrative kind of bull market for for everything. Money was being printed everywhere. And I think everyone knew there was going to be consequences at some point. And obviously now we're, 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 we're dealing with some of those consequences in real time. But uh, NFTs specifically, I got into it kind of in, uh, I'd say December, I think it was December of that year, which was 2020, mm -hmm. uh, November, December, where I got into NBA Top Shots, just like a lot of, a lot of people did. Uh, I'm a basketball player and a basketball fan for, for many, many years and collected cards just all the time. I didn't have no idea I was buying NFTs. I just, it was, you know, it's from Dapper Labs. They, they, they use Flow and it was a, you know, credit card on ramp, very easy. You're basically just using a credit card to buy digital collectibles. I had no idea what an NFT was, but uh, me and my friends would get together and open packs at, at bars and it was, very much like my high school years where we would open physical cards in bar in not bars but like restaurants and, and people's basements and things like that so uh, that was a ton of fun and then i realized uh how lucrative it could be around january of that year uh 2021 when the market really started to pick up uh top shots specifically people were selling nba top shots for i don't know like six figures not not me i didn't have those cards uh, or those collectibles specifically, but I was buying a lot of packs at that time. Uh, and then started to realize these are NFTs and uh, went into just like everybody else, I think a bit of a rabbit hole and researching what an NFT is. Uh, learned about CryptoPunks, learned about CryptoKitties, learned about, you know, just every internet article that you could possibly find and read and every forum and, you know, Reddit and YouTube and whatever information was out at that time, which was far less. Um, but really the, the whole idea of NFTs didn't, didn't compel me to go buy NFTs on Ethereum or, or any of the other chains, uh, at that time, I was only buying NBA top shots cause it was easy and I liked basketball. Uh, it wasn't until May of that year. So May, uh, I still remember it was May 12th, um, because it was Gary Vaynerchuk and his project, the friends that I finally decided to go buy one of these things. Um, even though I, I was trying to convince my friends to buy a CryptoPunk with me back in March, I remember. I still have a text thread going with a bunch of my friends saying, hey, you know, who wants to 
chip in and pick up one of these, you know, JPEGs, uh, pixelated JPEGs for, I think it was like $30,000 approximately at that time. I remember the text message. Um, one of my friends, Larry, who's now my partner about future, said yes. And then the other three guys said, hell no, that's stupid. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Um, I still, to this day, you know, I'll show them that screenshot just once in a while, just to remind just rub them. Just rub it in how, the face. Yeah, it's, it's funny. So I never, I never actually got one. Obviously. Oh, you didn't. I, oh, oh, you didn't. Oh no. No, oh, no, no. I regret it because my first, so my first NFT was uh, the Gary Vaynerchuk project. So a friend. That's cool. Uh, hence why my name is Kind Warrior. Kind Warrior is one of the characters on V Friends. Oh. It was my first. It was my first purchase uh, of NFT. So. You mentioned Larry there, Nick. Was so that him being the guy that was like, "Yeah, let's let's get into this crypto punks." Was that sort of the genesis of Odd Future, where the two of you said, "Hey, let's let's sit down." I mean, you've described yourself as quite an autodidact. You're out there learning. You're collecting articles in the internet. I love that that analogy. Um, and a lot of people don't have time to do that. Was that sort of where you were like, "I gotta let's do something," and a little bit of a, a heavy lift for the community? Is that when it started? Yeah, so my, again, like going back to my actual background, my, I, at that time I was uh, leading kind of operations at, at uh, Myo Detox, which is my other, my previous business that I've been uh, working for and on for the last 10 years. Um, and it's a physiotherapy and chiropractic massage therapy company um with multiple clinics in vancouver toronto and then now los angeles as well so my primary job at that time was was that is kind of scaling that business um uh, and a big prime a big objective of mine was how to how to basically scale communities and we every zoom call we had i feel like we were just always stumped like we did it very well when we were small at one two locations and then you know, when we got to six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and I think we're at fifteen now, um, it's just a completely different ball game. Um, you know, we're we, I'm traditional business, you know, guy. I my my primary job is around customer loyalty and retention and referral strategies and and things like that. That's just standard business. Um, and then NFTs came about, and Gary Vaynerchuk did this thing where you had ten thousand. I think it was 10,255 of these NFTs and you're instantly part of this community. And I, I just thought that was fascinating. I was like, wow, that's different. I've never heard of that before. It's a fixed supply. Nobody else can get in. And there's this like weird ownership of this digital asset that unlocks things in the future. And he made it very clear that you had three years of access to his conference, which was called VCon. And you know, it was very expensive at that time. Ethereum was at the peak. Uh, I believe it was $5,000 CAD at that time. Um, so to, to buy one of these V friends was easily, you know, two to three Ethereum at the low end. Um, uh, he had a Dutch auction, so it could, it actually did go lower. I ended up buying it higher, but either way, you're spending thousands and thousands of dollars to buy one of these digital collectibles that somehow unlocks future things. And I was so fascinated by this that I ended up yeah. buying one of them. So I ended up buying three of them, but then what I did was I uh, went to the, my 
board of directors at MyoDetox, and I uh, talked to them about launching the NFT for MyoDetox at that time. And um, and I told them why. You know, my main my main job was to build communities, and I thought it was an interesting way to do it. And I wanted to uh, learn about it. I requested a budget and a team and all that kind of stuff, and uh, they pretty much said no. <laughs> Uh, you know is there a response like to that question but they were like no yeah yeah they were like uh no because we're not you know allocating resources to a speculative you know new asset class or whatever you want to call it um yeah they weren't having it so I was pretty bummed out, to be quite honest. Uh, I was carrying on my Zoom calls with my team, and every, again, everyone's trying to solve the same problem. And I felt like we were in 2013 sometimes, you know, sitting in these Zoom calls, and they're talking about, you know, influencer strategies and social media, and you know, paying the top influencers and all these kind of things. And I'm like, wow, like we have not really evolved that. Like we're still doing the same strategies we did 10 years ago, and with less uh, impact, for sure. Right, because I've always thought social media is like oversaturated. It's been oversaturated for years, and we're still trying to implement those same strategies with significantly less output, much higher cost. Um, but because nobody can like come up with a new idea or something more creative, or nobody's willing to take a risk. And when you're a big company, I, I don't necessarily blame them. Like Mayo is a big company now, and. You know, they're not going to just go there and just start launching NFTs. I, but I told them that I was, you know, I'm going to spend the next six months. I wanted a dev on my team and we're going to figure it out together and we're, we're going to launch it out properly. But either way, it didn't happen. So uh, me and Larry, me and Larry uh, decided to just kind of start Odd Future. And Odd Future was not a studio um, building project at first. We really were just... Uh, we were doing monthly meetups. We started in September with our first meetup. I think there was like maybe five people and four of them were our friends. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Got to start somewhere. Yeah, it was, it was literally like just hanging out with a group of friends. Just, and honestly, just talking about the three, four things we had bought and uh, just explaining to them how it works, how MetaMask works, and just like going through the steps. And then you know, the next month we did another one and maybe there was like 10 people and, you know, it started to obviously snowball after that. And the meetups are, you know, I think December, at the peak of the bull market, there were, you know, easily 60, 70 people of these, at these meetups. Yeah. yeah, you know, bull markets, people get all yeah, no, thirsty. True. <laughs> that's very true. So yeah. So this is like the perfect opportunity for you because your experience is in building communities. So this is like the perfect gateway for you. Um, so yeah, going on from that, for the people listening, could you explain what Odd Future actually is and what you guys do? Yes. Yeah, so we're a, we call ourselves a creative studio because we, we don't want to call ourselves like a, like a technology studio. <laughs> Because um, mm -hmm. I'm not a technologist and neither, neither is my partner and we're not engineers, we're not developers either. Our background primarily is in traditional business. You, you can call it Web2 business. Um, myself, I've led in uh, organizations such as MyoGTalks for many, a number of years. So my, 
My background is primarily in operations, mm -hmm. uh, but both me and my partner have um, advised on a lot of companies and consulted for a lot of companies, primarily in the lifestyle space, uh, lifestyle brand space and health and wellness space um, throughout Canada. So um, in some ways we, we started out Odd Future as more of like an educational networking hub. Then we decided, you know, a lot of the people that were coming to our meetups were our um, friends, partners at a lot of these businesses. And they naturally were asking us, hey, like, what if we wanted to launch an NFT project? You know, like, what are the steps? How do we do it type of thing? So we just, it kind of just happened organically. We, we started mm -hmm. taking calls and uh, started working and consulting with some of these brands. And a lot of the, like, I'll tell you, a lot of brands, uh, actually most brands are doing stuff. <laughs> they just are not ready to actually launch anything. Is this web, but, as in Web2 brands or like NFT projects? Yeah, just like any of the big Web2 brands that mm. exist out there, whether it's in apparel or fashion or, or restaurants or, or uh, uh, consumer products, like really any of these brands, they're, they're all curious and we've talked to a lot of them. Um, just most of them are not necessarily ready to press that button yet. Mm. Um, but it's, it's interesting for us to, to kind of consult with a lot of these brands because we, we always want to know like what is the level of education um, you know, in the space, especially some of the bigger companies that have massive like marketing teams and brand teams and, and even in-house developers. Um, you know, how are they like thinking about NFTs and Web3 and all that kind of stuff? And I'll tell you, most of them are, are pretty new to it. Like they're, you know, they're reading a bunch of articles online and they're, it's completely new way to kind of interact mm. with the world, right? So um, having these conversations is, is really helpful for us just to kind of know where everyone kind of sits. Um, but I'll tell you, a lot of them are curious and a lot of them are planning for for the next year, two years, or whatever that may be. So, yeah. So, can you take us through like the process of like when brands come to you? Like, what do they ask? What do you tell them? Like, what do you advise them? Are they looking to like launch a project? Are they looking to just get into like the blockchain Web three space? What are they doing? So, we have a process that we uh, use. It's it's uh, kind of multi phase. So, it's typically five phases, but I would say most companies don't go past the second phase because uh, <laughs> uh, phase, yeah, phase, <laughs> phase one is really, we call it a discovery session. It's really what I've personally done a lot in the past with other companies that are like not in for web three. Uh, but really it's just a whiteboarding session. And okay. my job is to stand on the whiteboard and, um, talk to whoever's in the room around what their problems are within their business, like high level. We're not talking about Web3, we're not talking about NFTs, we're not talking about crypto, any of that stuff. Because once you go down that rabbit hole, then everyone starts to compare like, hey, I wanna do what Nike does or Adidas does or whatever brands already do. Most important thing for any brands is understand, number one, what is their mission? What are they trying to solve? And then what are the problems they're coming up with currently in trying to solve those problems? It has nothing to do with Web3. And then our job is to figure out with them whether NFTs or Web3 or, or any of that stuff has a place in yeah, yeah, yeah. where they currently stand. 
because it's, I think it's very easy for brands to want to jump on the train, uh, you know, a little bit of a bandwagon approach and go, we should launch an NFT collection because everybody else is launching an NFT collection and we don't want to miss out on the boat. But the truth is it's, it's really not for every company. Um, not if they're, you know, if they don't have, you know, existing problems that they're trying to solve, uh, that would, because the truth is they need resources within their team and we can help bridge some of those, but we're a small team. We have, you know, eight to 10 members of our team right now. So we can't, you know, be the web three partner for every brand that exists. Uh, unfortunately, I wish we could, I wish we had a, you know, 10 person dev team. We don't. So really they, there, there needs to be resources on their side, um, from a dev side, from a brand side, from a marketing side that works together with us to, to potentially launch projects. Right. So, um, so yeah, so not phase one is that it's discovery, really just understanding. And then a lot of, a lot of companies don't really go past that because once they start to understand right like you don't like, actually need this like yeah well or, no, or like not yet like i don't think you should force the issue right uh, then phase two ends up being a web3 strategy together with the brands if we actually ever get there meaning cool like your your main problem is um uh customer retention or customer loyalty which is what a lot of companies have right like you know what is lifetime value for your consumers right now you know, are you trying to bump that by whatever? Can NFTs fit in? What have you tried mm -hmm. in the past, right? And is this potentially a solution? If it is, we're gonna to go to phase two, which is let's now talk about a Web3 strategy with you. If you're gonna launch an NFT, it's not, it can never just be an NFT. How does that fit into whatever it is you guys are actually trying to build? Like, are we token gating stuff in the future? Are we, you know, creating a portion of your website that creates exclusive access for these NFT holders. These are all things that you just, but then again, that requires, you know, resources. Like you're going to have another team dealing with exclusive access, token gated access, token gated experience, you know, all these kind of things that brands don't think about that much. Um, you know, and I, you've seen actually a lot of brands rush into launching uh, NFT collections very quickly and they, you know, there's no thought of utility. There's no thought of, it's just, there you go. <laughs> just want to jump on the hype. Yeah. There's a lot, there's like yeah. quite a few clothing ones. Like I saw Louis Vuitton, <laughs> they were like one of the first ones I saw. Like that was like mid last year. And I saw them straight away, like, <laughs> oh, releasing NFTs. They released the game that lasted like yeah. two weeks and it disappeared. That's <laughs> it. No one talked about it again. They just want to jump on the yeah, bandwagon, so like you said. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing, like I, I would say for us, like our primary target is lifestyle brands yep. um, and lifestyle consumer brands. Right. So, you know, if, if, if during phase two, they're talking about a game, it's, it's, I would probably immediately tell them to not do that uh, because it's not really core to their, like they should then probably just start another company to launch a game or yeah. it's, it's really not core to their mission at all. They're, there can be some value there where, you know, there's Louis Vuitton bags in a game. I think that's what they did, right? It's sort of like, you yeah, it it's sort of like, let's say support. Adidas comes to you saying we want to release this. I mean, they say like, we're going to release a first person shooter game where you can trade NFTs. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just, yeah, it's nothing to do with their mission at all. But again, not, not really, not, not really. Um, 
So yeah, I'd say most like if you're really trying to bridge your existing consumers towards Web3, mm -hmm. you have to continue to give the value that they yeah, already exactly. yeah. feel, right? Yep. If they're mainly a consumer of your brand because they love your product, does, like, there's no reason for them to play your game. Mm. Not really, right? So how would you elevate the existing experience using Web3 technology? Um, that's how you initially uh, on-ramp your existing consumer base and yep. a lot of companies understand that now cool now everyone is web3 native right cool they at least have wallets they understand crypto they can go interact with blockchain right and once you're there then maybe you can introduce like a game if that's if that's something you want but mm -hmm. if you're just trying to introduce a game they have they want nothing to do with it right so yeah one of one of the things that really jumped out for me Nick, uh in across two levels before I get into the next question here is, um, you know, you talked about, you know, stage two, you know, you gave the example of customer retention and it reminds me of, a, you know, attending one of the sessions, sessions at Odd Future, one of the uh, meetups, you had a, a, like a quite a nicely, you know, put together uh, PowerPoint and it was, this was post um, VCon. And one of the things that really put the, the light bulb on for me, and I think, you know, probably is part of your process in working with, with Web2 brands or, you know, brands, is this notion of the difference between, okay, you've got followers, you know, these platforms, and you've got a, they'll, they'll call it a community, but is it really a community until they've actually put some of their money into some sort of a, a product that, you know, that has some utility? And then, you know, it's a very different relationship this is why I love the NFT space so much is when I buy an NFT, I'm, I'm rooting for that NFT. Like I'm part of that community. I'm actually part owner, I guess, you know, I think there's some, there's some commercials from the eighties around, you know, I like the the product so much I became the owner, you know, like stuff like that. But this sentiment is very much, um, you know, what I find lead to one really important component of customer retention is conviction. And, you know, I think early into the game, when you're talking with these folks, if they're just FOMOing in, which is, you know, at the, at the best of times, a bad investment strategy. You know, that's one of the things I always tell people, what, when you get into NFTs, what do you do? I'm like, don't FOMO, don't late night FOMO into things because you won't. Get conviction, like actually do your research, learn about the product, like have, be convicted in as even if it goes to close to zero, you still love the, the ride or the journey or whatever. So that must be quite challenging to take a boardroom of people, you know, or not, I don't know. It depends on, I suppose, the brand coming to you to try to convey that message, to try to illuminate this notion of followers versus community, the actual difference there that the Web3 space has really brought to light in a very, very strong and compelling, like, like a shift in pop culture way. Like this is an experience that has ch changed the shape of how human beings interact with consumer products. Once they're there, then I think, you know, that's probably your phase three, four, and five, where you're like, okay, now we can build this all out and, and get, get to that place. And, and I believe in, in the core of my heart, this is where all this is heading. So, you know, all, all to say, you know, thank you for, for sharing that stuff, that, that knowledge at these, uh, these meetups. It, it was per perfect for my journey. But I want to jump over now to um, your NFT projects. I want to I sure. hear a little bit. That, that, that's the stuff where I, I felt really aligned with. I guess I uh, sort of trust and understanding because you struggled a little bit when Lucky's came out, which is one of your NFTs, and you're very open and honest about that process. 
I'd love to hear just a couple real salient points from you around like areas of growth where you were just like, holy shit, I did not expect this. I've learned, you know, <laughs> this point to this point, this is what I've learned. I think that would be just so valuable for our listeners when this lands up uh, out there in the world. Uh, I know it was for me, so I'd love, I'd love for people to benefit from just a couple nuggets from you around that. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So for, for those who uh, don't know, my, I launched a project initially called Lucky's back in March. Um, and yeah, I've, I've been, you know, super open about just, you know, the, I think the value we got from it is number one, it's the first project we've ever done, like from a smart contract perspective for, from the art perspective, generative art side, like all of that. And we learned a ton right in terms of you know like how to build discord communities how to build discord how to engage communities how to convert how to uh you know write your smart contracts all that stuff i would say the one thing that like sticks out a lot for myself in terms of like what i didn't expect and you know now with future projects i, th I think you know hopefully i'll learn from it and be, be better for it is I don't think people fully grasp the the level of permanence that 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 actually happens within a smart contract because it's not something we're used to, right? And again, I've I've been a part of a lot of businesses in the past where we've launched projects many many times in the past, right? We launched new websites, we launch we launch a lot of things and you're constantly iterating on products, launches, uh, copy, design, all of that stuff. Everything is an iterative process when, when you're building brands and building businesses. In a smart contract, there's, there's nothing you can iterate on. When that, when that contract is deployed on the mainnet, and that's another story because we, we didn't sleep for two nights straight. So me and three guys on the team, uh, basically in this office at WeWork, this was on the weekend. I missed a wedding to because and a wedding of somebody Commitment. that I care a lot about uh, because we couldn't even sleep for two nights trying to basically get all the wallet addresses onto our smart contract for the so our allow list for Luckies had over five thousand um, wallet addresses. So we needed to input all of these wallet addresses into our contract before we can deploy it so that when people go onto our website and click uh, mint, they can see, you know, what price they pay. Maybe it's cheaper. Maybe we had a bunch of different scenarios depending on how much they engage with our community. Right. So again, number one was <clears throat> the, the permanence of the contract means you can't um, it's immutable, right? Like it's on the blockchain and you can't change it. Right. And that's not, necessarily something we didn't understand we understood it but then we didn't really necessarily think of every single scenario postment that could happen and the, the scenarios that happened immediately we didn't we did not sell out right uh we we so the immediate thing from our community was well we should burn supply we didn't have that function built into our contract to burn the supply right so again like that's a big like, whew, like, okay, so we, we don't have that option. Cool. So the market started crashing quite a bit. And now the price of 0 0.088 uh, ETH, that was our mint price um, for our public sale. 
is now way too high, significantly too high, because the market doesn't like respond to prices that high. We couldn't change our prices, right? So um, we didn't have a function built in our contract to change the price from 0 0.088. We couldn't lower the price. So that's number two. Number three is um, the ability to uh, airdrop. So we couldn't do batch airdropping to our existing community. So anytime we did an airdrop, and we did a ton of airdrops uh, for people who did mint luckies, um, it was a singular airdrop. So every single time we're paying gas um, um, for every single person, uh, every single wallet we're airdropping to. Right. So and, uh, amongst many other functions that didn't exist in our contract. So we worked together with a, um, a dev studio um, to support us on building that first contract because our internal tech team has never done a smart contract. So they were learning from this dev studio. But the dev studio, it was also their first contract as well. Oh, no. Exactly. exactly. You've got so, no more lessons to learn. Like, you've already learned all your lessons. There's no more. You know everything at this point. <laughs> I mean, I, I couldn't believe that. So, again, number one is the permanence of it. So not being able to do that, again, like, the community doesn't understand these things. And I'm not sure no. they need to understand all these things. They just want to know there's a plan that we're here to, you know, build value and, and the, 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 the money they've invested into the NFT is, uh, is a good long-term investment. That's all they care about, and that's all they should care about. So we didn't go into details of basically our own screw-ups, right? Um, but that's what happened. We had a lot of different screw-ups that we, didn't, we couldn't explain to, to our community, so we kept delaying and delaying and delaying, trying to find solutions, trying to figure out, is there a way to actually change these contracts and really, there's no good way. So that's number one. <clears throat> number two is, as I was talking about, this, this whole allow listing strategy where you're... And that was, the, that was the, the meta at the time, right? That was the trend. Everybody was going on allow list. So we, again, 5,000 addresses. We, again, did not know how sensitive these smart contracts are. So when we're, when we're uh, putting all these addresses into, I think it was five different windows, five different minting windows at that time. Um, when all the addresses are put in, you, you have to press that, the button to deploy the contract on the smart chain, uh, so on, the, on the blockchain. So when you're, when you're deploying the contract, if there's one error in the 5,000 wallet addresses that you're inputting, then it's, gonna, it's not going to uh, deploy. It's, oh, you're gonna no. have an error. So that's exactly what happened to us at 3 a.m. Um, our time and our first mint window at 8 a.m. So we deployed our contract. The gas at that time was around four Ethereum, three to four Ethereum. We only had about four or five Ethereum in our wallet at that time. So we really could only do this one time. So we're all sitting there with 5,000 wallet addresses, took us maybe 30 hours to get those addresses in there properly. Triple checked, obviously. Everyone's bloodshot eyes, no sleep. We're like, okay, press the button. <clears throat> press the button. And there was this massive delay, 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 delay. It delayed probably for like 30 minutes to an hour. We double checked, triple checked, called our, called our tech team, who's actually from Toronto, who weren't even awake at the time, but we woke them up um, and 
they said there was an error on the contract. There was an error on the thing. So we I, lost I the gas. I couldn't do that. No, this is way too stressful. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And no. so, so now we're sitting there at 4 a.m. We're supposed to start our mint at 8. We're sitting there going, okay, so do we delay, right? Do we delay the, the mint? Logically, in a, in a Web2 company, of course you would do that. Why would you stress yourself out? Mm. Hey, guys, we're, we're delaying it for 24 hours or 48 hours, just having some issues in the back end. In Web3 or in NFT communities anyways, you, it's not that easy, right? Because now the scam sites are all coming and coming fast. And right. we, can't communicate, we can't communicate with people because we shut down our Discord uh, to prepare for Mint. So now in, we talked about every scenario and the biggest scenario is a lot of people are gonna lose a lot of money because they're gonna think that at 8 a.m. this mm -hmm. is happening. There's no way for us to communicate with these people. And I don't want them to lose their Ethereum to scam sites because they didn't see our message. So we're like, we can't do that. And this is, this is the world we live in right now. This is the NFT world where there's just no good way to communicate. There's scam sites everywhere and they were coming fast, right? <laughs> so we're sitting there at 4 a.m. I'm calling every friend I have and asking them to lend us Ethereum because again, and here it is, right? Buying crypto is not that easy in Canada, right? I can't just go and buy crypto and I get crypto immediately. Even if I had the, the, the money, the cash to do it, there's a process, right? There's you, you, you go to one of these exchanges, you buy it, they have to verify, it takes time, right? Or you can buy a small amount, right? You can maybe buy like, you know, $5,000 worth. We needed, you know, $25,000 worth. Banks don't just approve things like that. Not in Canada, they, they yeah. still block They'll block your transaction very fast and you have to talk yeah. to somebody. And so anyways, we're like, okay, cool. So we called every one of our friends to, to borrow Ethereum at this time. And again, lucky, luckily for us, we had have some nice friends who were willing to send us some Ethereum at 4 a.m. They were pretty like sleepy at that time, but they were kind enough to lend it to us. So they did. We got... Scrapped just enough Ethereum. I think it was four different friends that lent us small little chunks. Uh, and then at 6 a.m., we found, oh, uh, no, sorry, it was closer to 7, 7, 7.30. Uh, we spent the last next two hours basically looking for the error because it doesn't tell you where the error is. Oh, you have to no. go into the smart contract and you're basically scanning every wallet address. Um, and what happened was the... Um, so it's, it's basically parentheses, wallet address, parentheses, comma, one space, and then the next address. That's how you have to input it. So there was one address that had two parentheses um, at the end of it. I wonder yeah. who did that one as well. But the person who did that stayed quiet. <laughs> I, so we don't even know at this time who, who did that. So again, Liz, like, this is, this is it, right? That is crazy. I love I love that you just told that story there because, well, A, you and your your team are legends for not, like, rugging it and running like so many projects have, A. And B, you know, if, if we talked a little bit earlier about conviction, if that doesn't show conviction, I don't know what the fuck does, to be honest. So that's a phenomenal piece, too, right there.
And I think, you know, it's, I, I really believe in people having, you know, ethics and, and, you know, principles, it, it shows that as well. So I, I like so much hats off to you. And I think for folks out there building, I'm one of them, I'm doing some building right now. It's so important to hear that because I think somehow the message got out that it's a bit of a cakewalk that you can just get on Solidity, That's figure so out true, yeah. contract, a little bit of art and pop it up and, you know, boom, it's you're, you're a crypto millionaire. Boom, off you go. It's just, yes. you know, not really the case at all. Um, but I want to uh, I want to move on to a next question here, Nick, and, and love that share there. Thank you so much for, for giving us that that insight there. Um, I want to I want to hear a little bit about uh, NFT New York, a couple takeaways for our listeners. And then I and then I want to jump into just kind of like a, a macro couple couple statements from you on just the gen, your general sentiments on the NFT space, the, the, the metas that are happening right now. I know that that's hard to do because I, when people ask me about the meta, you know, I, 10 minutes later, I'm like, where'd you guys go? Get back here. I was <laughs> talking about changes constantly, isn't it? I'd love, to, I'd love to hear that. And then I'm going to throw it over to, to Leon for a couple more questions before we wrap it up. But yeah, NFT New York, I want to hear that. I was following you on Twitter and what, like uh, listening to, uh, you know, some of your comments and trying to follow from the sidelines and then uh, just max some macro sentiments for us. Yeah, so I mean, NFT NYC, I honestly didn't know how it was going to go because we were like really going into heavy, heavy bear market as we're approaching NFT NYC. And we had bought our tickets like a month to two prior, you know, the early bird kind of tickets. And we were, you know, planning our event. We had our own event for uh, my, my new project called When Is You Are Raya. Uh, down there at the on store. So we were planning our events and I was bringing, I think, eight, eight members of our team down uh, to NFT NYC to just go to the conference as well as like hit as many kind of parties as possible, network, you know, do the whole, you know, conference thing um, as well. So leading up to it, you know, the market was just, just every day was just kind of like, and, you know, it was getting more and more quiet. And I was kind of like, like, should we even be going to NFT NYC? Um, cause like I, like people weren't feeling good in Vancouver for sure. So, uh, but you know, again, like, I think I, I talked a little bit about this when I was there. Um, it's, it didn't feel like we were in a bear market at all. Right. Like every single party that we, uh, went to or event or activation or whatever that may be, it was just like, I, like people were partying harder than I've seen probably ever. Uh, I mean, and maybe, maybe that's why they, they're, they're like, they were probably partying hard because they're bear market. I'm not sure, but it definitely didn't feel like there was like a bear market. There was a lot of conviction in different projects. Uh, I went to a lot of the, obviously the bigger blue chip project parties and just to check it out to see kind of, you know, how people are feeling uh, during these times and uh, Again, so much conviction in the space, and I mean, these parties were insane, right? Like the the people that were coming out, and just like you know, the blue chip projects, like the bigger projects, hands down, they're they are uh, well funded. <laughs> they are well funded. I could I could tell they're they seem to be doing pretty well. So. Uh, they, they didn't spare they didn't spare any expenses i could tell um and then i, I would say the conference was okay um i didn't go to the conference as much as i had hoped because 
lot of daytime uh, events as well that I was trying to hit up. Uh, but the conference itself, I just felt like there was way too many speakers. I think there was, I think I read somewhere 1,500 speakers. They had seven Ooh, different, Christ. like, like yeah, seven, seven or eight different, like, like uh, um, speaking stages happening at once, kind of in parallel. So 1,500, like, I don't even know if there's 1,500 experts in the space, right? Like, I don't think so. There were some really good talks and then some that, some that were so bad that I couldn't believe I was sitting there listening to somebody speak, right? And, you know, granted they were trying their best, but the fact that they got on stage and w were approved to speak was kind of, it felt a little bit cash grabby for, by NFT NYC. Um, so, you know, I, I think the conference itself is, it was not the highlight. The, the, you know, the parties and the events were, were stellar. Um, again, we, we, we uh, uh, hosted our own party at the, it was the on running store uh, in Soho. So our project is around running. So we did this whole scavenger hunt around that area for like po-ops and people got to try on the shoes uh, and just test out on shoes while they were running. So we, we had a great time with our own party. It was not so that NFT focused, sorry. Quick chill here. I know you didn't ask, and this is me doing it on my own, uh, my own volition. But so on is a sponsor. You have a partnership with them with Raya. Um, if you want to know more about this, I'm I'm uh, I'm really interested in Raya for lots of good reasons. So I, I will put this in uh, the uh, YouTube, all the links there and everything. But definitely go check that one out. So that's right. Yeah, it's one of your first sponsors. Do you have another one coming on board with Raya, or is that your main one for Raya right now? So we have. Uh uh multiple partners so on was the first one that we had signed on as a partnership so uh hence we rushed that one for nft nyc the project itself like we're just take we're taking our time with it uh trying to obviously secure more brand partners a lot of what raya is is kind of like we look at it as like a web3 version of like retail for for runners and um partnering with some of the bigger brands such as on um, has, you know, allowed us to think about how do we basically interact with runners uh, utilizing like token gated experiences, token gated commerce, token gated events, token gated things, but very specific to runners. Um, so we have a few more partners. I think, I don't know when this will actually air, but I think next week we're announcing our next big partner. Um, so it should be fun. Yeah, we have we have a ton of partners. Okay, so take us through um, just yeah your broad based sort of thoughts on the sentiment that Meta, I, and and I've been to your presentations before. It was a month and a half ago. It was that's was very different then. So it's probably changed again. So I'd love to hear your, you know, your not even elevator pitch. And you're not pitching to anyone. You but yeah, your Meta. Where do you think you're headed right now? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like I think it's been interesting watching just the last few weeks and. What's happened, obviously, there's a big, 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 like, trend in, in free mints and, you know, note the no Discord thing. And I, I found that, number one, very fascinating. I followed the Goblin Town thing quite a bit. And yeah. I, in some ways, I feel like they broke, they broke the internet. And, yeah, they like, they, they, just brilliant, I thought, like, in terms of utilizing, like, meme culture and, and you know, it's like, no, no Discord, like, we're just doing Twitter. We're just doing goblin sounds and 
you know, the, the way they were making people kind of write out the, in that script or whatever. Like, I just thought all of that was brilliant uh, in terms of like, like creating like virality around it. Uh, and obviously they've been very successful. Um, and a lot of projects have kind of like now since like tried to replicate that in the, in the free mint world. There's t so many free mints out there. Uh, I don't think it'll last, to be quite honest, because I, don't, I just don't think there's legs to, to free mints. I, I do think there's like, like some, some level of like trading, like if you're into like flipping and trading, there's, there's some level of like opportunities there from a lot of the, the more free, free mints. Um, but that, you know, number one, I, I found that very interesting. I think there's going to be a huge consolidation of, of of NFTs into the big projects, right? Whether that's whether that's actually merging of, of groups or consumers, you know, basically saving up or selling multiple projects to try to get into, you know, the top five, 10, 20, 20 projects that, that exist. I think you're seeing a lot of movement now in the historical pieces such as CryptoPunks, such as Autoglyphs, such as uh, all the art block projects and there's reason for that right we're we're shifting heavily i think away from you know all the noise right the the you know the the generative art pfp world maybe oversaturated right? did a lot of it we've done a lot of it right so everyone's going back to like who started it CryptoPunk started it right back well i don't know if they started it started but historically they're they're recognized as the ones who started started that generative side. So I think again, like the NFTs, um, like from an art perspective and from a historical standpoint, I, I feel like there's like a there's like a like a, a milestone here in the last you know six months to twelve months, and people are consolidating into the projects that have a lot of legs for the future, and then the next evolution is going to be building like we're kind of going back to building the brands now like real brands and and going you know I, I think anyone who's trying to launch projects should should think about doing it in a traditional way you're actually just launching a company but you're using web3 technology you're using nfts maybe as 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 a way to kind of underpin like how it all interacts with each other the how the ecosystem works but from a consumer standpoint, like people will don't understand the technology. There's only like maybe 500,000 people in the world who buy NFTs, um, period. So really like if you're just selling to that exact group of people, like it's a very zero sum game, right? Like they're, they're just buying your project and selling off to another project. Like they're just flipping back and forth. Right? Yeah. Right. And eventually they'll sell your project and flip to another. Like that, that community is not necessarily growing. It's not going from 500,000 to 600,000, not really. It's like, it's actually just that core group of people that are constantly buying and flipping with each other, right? So now the goal is how do we bring from a, from a more macro lens, like other people into the space? It can't be through just this NFT D Jenny culture because people aren't into it. There's, it's like, I tell people we have to change the name of nfts at some point because it's it's been like too like it's, absolutely slaughtered. It's, it's just 
it's slaughtered. <laughs> like we need to just call it something totally different now, right? Like we can't even use that word NFT. So, yeah. so the, the goal for people really building this Web3 is to, to build real companies, right? To, to um, allow people to, to see the value of the company itself and then realize maybe later that it, it happens to be on the blockchain cool like you maybe have to go buy an nft to to use the product cool then i then i'll do that right as opposed right. to go sell these nfts and promise all yes. these things within a roadmap and again most people in these spaces are like 25 right like they have no idea what they're doing and granted there are opportunities in front of them to do it so i get it but they're they're crowdfunding a lot of capital up front to go build whatever it is they promised to build. And that's where the utility comes in, right? Whether that's uh, a merch line, whether that's, you know, token gated experiences, whether that's whatever, a game, right? But the questions I always have is, you know, have, do you have experience building any of those things? The answer is probably no. So then now you're gonna have to hire people to go build all of those things, right? And not to say they can't do that, but that's just not how traditional business is done. Traditional business is you go build things, right? People see value in it, right? Then it continues to build into an entire brand based on products that people see value in that is not susceptible to market crashes and market, you know, ups and downs, right? So I'm still, that's if at Jensen, you're listening to this, I'm still waiting for the Crazilla coloring desk to finish. We minted my Crazilla three months ago, dude. Where's my coloring desk? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's exactly. <laughs> They're sitting yeah. there, these, these little empty, you know, crayon. I don't know if you heard about that one, the crayon uh, dinosaurs. I just want to color that thing and I'm going to print it off, color it in with a crayon, and then scan that and sell it back to myself as an NFT. How's that sound? Uh, I, saw you, I saw you talking about that on Twitter. Um, Over to you, you're going to, you're gonna, uh, you, got, you got a couple questions and then. And we're going to run into the streets screaming for joy. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, talking about uh, the markets uh, and how we've got so many little yeah. DGEN projects going on at the minute and there's no real real brands in the space. Um, I feel like um, we're at that perfect segue now where all these little projects, especially with the bar bear markets and everyone's like crapping themselves, we're seeing all these tiny little projects slowly fizzle out. We've seen the Goblin Town era, all the free mints, free mints, the paid mints, all these no Discord, um, no roadmap, all that stuff. We're seeing those slowly fizzle out, and hopefully when the markets start pushing up again, we start seeing some big, strong brands being uh, grown, and we see some like true utility, and then hopefully that NFT name that's out there. Because if I mention NFT to my, my dad, my friends, they'll say, oh, those stupid little pictures, that stuff. And fair enough, it, it is the stupid little pictures of like monkeys and stuff. And we need to move away from that and actually have more usage, um, like you said, and start building these big brands and communities. Um, but that segues perfect onto the next question and um, the market conditions and going back to building a project. Um, with these bear markets that we're in right now, is that having any effect on you building these projects? Yeah, yeah, hundred um, percent. We've we've pivoted our current project, uh, and then also a couple of the projects that we've been working on as well that we haven't really talked too much about. But we've we've pivoted all of them um, in terms of, again, like 
the the market the consumer market isn't there anymore for just like launching an NFT collection where you know they're you're you're selling you know based on whatever price um, a basically a future roadmap right. Mm -hmm. I, I just don't think, and the roadmap could be, you know, well thought out or, you know, very like logical and it actually makes sense. Like all of that. I just don't think that works anymore. Um, not for big collections that are, you know, anywhere in the thousands. So then you have to wonder like, really like the roadmap itself is, 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 um, a plan to, to essentially build what the, what the brand is supposed to be, like what the product is. So, um, you know, and again, being part of brands for a long time, we always know that products sell themselves. Like if you build an amazing product, it always sells itself, right? So yeah. like, it's kind of like, an example would be like, like Vcon for instance, and Gary Vaynerchuk, like, like selling the, the Gary Vaynerchuk's different because he has 10 million followers plus so we don't we're normal people right so if you built the conference itself and 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 um you know all the all the the speakers are there and you highlighted exactly when the dates are where the venue is and everything you can expect from the conference and that's happening and then you realize the tickets are actually nfts then the the tickets will likely sell because they're actually you're what you're selling is the conference and nothing to do with the nfts itself Right. So you're just selling a conference. Right. And that's the product. The product is a conference. So for a lot of our projects right now, we're just instead of like mapping out what the roadmap looks like, let's actually think of what product we're trying to build that's going to change consumer experiences. So for Raya, if it's if it's a marketplace that decentralizes run experiences for runners, meaning it, it brings in all these brands and retailers and and experiences and events and retreats and races or whatever that may be all into one spot, is that something a runner would love? And if it's something a runner would love, then we're gonna go sell tickets to this marketplace in the future. So, yep. so then let's not worry about the NFTs. We're gonna keep making the art great. We're gonna make it cool, whatever. That's, the market's not there for just that, right? That let's surprise them with that later. Let's just go build this thing first. and. Then the question is, it's it's challenging though, right? Because most projects require capital to go build the product, right? That's why you sell your NFTs to go build this thing, right? But again, in traditional startup businesses, uh, you're building products traditionally through fundraising, through loans, through you know asking your parents for money, like all the traditional things you would do to go build whatever it is you need to build, and then at a certain point go sell your product, right? So. I think for us, that's, that's how we're looking at it. That's, you know, also leans into our strengths of just building companies. We're going to go build a company and see what happens. Yeah. I love that. And just before uh, we take it home here um, with uh, Leon's last question, I just love the, the, uh, the way you positioned it there with, you know, don't worry about the NFTs. It'll be something pretty cool that they can discover later. And I personally really do believe that the good and the bad, like bad name the NFTs have and crypto and moon boys and when Lambo and all that crazy stuff. <laughs> I think that is edged. It, no matter like what's the saying, like bad, bad press is, you know, there's no bad press really. And we've been getting a lot of bad press in the space. So I just think it's forever etched in pop culture, this dynamic kind of gross, grimy, degen culture 
that I think is always going to be kind of neat and cool, even to the naysayers, people that look down on the end of the nose and say it's a bunch of scammers or whatever. It's, it, it is what it is. And I think that when, you know, you build a project, you build a product, people like it and you get, you actually peel back and you look at the art. Oh, that actually, I see why these people got so stoked on this. This is beautiful. And you see the little Easter eggs and you can kind of like, I don't know, the IP of the, the image and like, I don't know, the way it all unfolded to me, I think is just extremely interesting and fun and hilarious. Like you couldn't totally. make that shit, you know, and it's part of the, it's part of that badge of honor we wear for surviving a global pandemic. Let's not forget that we as a human race went through this extreme trauma. This is just one of those scars we bear. It's inextricable. We can't pull that out and say we're, we're divorced from that. So why yeah. not turn that into, you know, essentially a totally new way of marketing products, lifestyle experiences, and, and the human experience. And so I don't think that's going anywhere. Anyway. You got you just got me all excited. Anyway, um, so yeah, we're we're pretty much gonna end it there, but we're gonna end it off with our famous question. Um, getting slowly getting out on the famous part. Um, but we're just we ask everyone this one. So basically, there'll be two parts to this one. If you could go back in time to when you first started your NFT journey, what is one thing slash piece of advice you would have told yourself? And then also because you've built many projects. Uh, um, what advice would you give you give yourself if you started a project, like a new project now? Like, what lessons have you learned? Yeah. Well, you've already learned a lot of lessons, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the first one's easy. I think I would have bought that CryptoPunk for sure. Um, <laughs> I, I still, yeah. I I mean, I mean, there's there's a lot of projects I should have and would have bought uh, in hindsight, but the CryptoPunk is like high the highest on my list for sure that I don't, I clearly don't own. Um, and there was an opportunity uh, in, in March of that year where I, you know, have a text thread going with friends that I was very ready to uh, execute on with, with a group of friends. Um, so I'm still mad at them for that. And then there's, there's actually a second one um, that has happened multiple times. I've always wanted a Chromie squiggle. Um, for again, for historical reasons, but also I've always liked the art. I feel like it's a good piece to actually just put up on your wall at some point. Um, and Chromie squiggles I've been talking about for so long at a lot of the meetups actually. And I didn't follow my own advice. And uh, I think it was sitting at like four, four or five Ethereum for the longest time for months and months and months. And I thought, you know, I, I'll pick it up one of these days and then it's it's since skyrocketed I, I think they're sitting at like 15 ethereum right now uh and i, I still think it's a good deal mm. to be quite honest I, i'm not this is never financial advice don't ever listen to me no of course not. um <laughs> but like i i was always shocked that chromie squiggles being the first art block project doesn't have the cachet or doesn't have the value like the floor value of like like the denzas uh ringers like a lot of the uh, archetype like a lot of these projects that are clearly hit 50 80 100 ethereum floors i have no idea why chromie has not um even though it's the first project and i think it has the most historical rele uh, re relevance out of all of them so in terms of telling myself those two were mistakes and i clearly lost on those ones but i still intend to get those at some point uh and then building projects man like I think just be like, uh, 
take your time and then be patient and and not rush it like i'd say for lucky's like um, amongst all the mistakes i already talked about i like i i think we rushed it we just mm. we we got into the game of like the our discord blew up very fast right uh we had a couple strategies to kind of funnel people into our discord it went from 200 people to 8000 people overnight uh grew to 20000 plus and then we kind of let the 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 energy and the hype and the all of that dictate our timelines um and we fed into that and uh, you know I've talked about this before I think it was just a huge mistake on our part you know we we should have vetted the contract many many more times we did vet it with a couple people and they did warn us of those particular things but you know again like it's kind of like you have this window of time where you feel like you can sell it and if you if you delay it too long the hype's gone yeah, you know yeah but i just like be patient with building good products and you know i, I felt like we rushed it so there you go amazing that's such good advice resonates with me and um i'll i'll leon i'll let you do the outro but before we go yep. uh nick i just want to say you're a legend out there man the amount of heavy lifting you've done for the community certainly in vancouver uh i hope tons of people watch this and you know i'm sure you're you're just at the beginning of your journey but just on a personal level i want to thank you for the work you do in the space and uh you, you uh yeah just keep doing what you're doing man it's huge respect to you and and, and your team so thank you so much it's been been an honor talking to you and i hope to see you at the next one in, in real life yes of course thank you appreciate appreciate those words of course yeah i'll try and fly out to canada and maybe come to one um yes, yeah, we'll, we'll see we'll see wait until i get a bit of money first um but yeah awesome thank you so much for coming on the podcast would you like to plug any of your stuff your socials will be in the description anyway but um feel free to plug your twitter yeah twitter is kind warrior so at kind warrior it's underscore um as well and then um my instagram is just nick at nicklo.eth um and then the my company is called odd future so oddfuture.com and then uh luckies is luckies nft.com and then we have raya as well so run as you are.io so that's a lot um, those are all <laughs> the existing existing projects right now but we we Still we take on way too much but it's yeah. also fun uh, you know i do encourage people to get into the space because it's a ton of fun we're learning every day so yeah of course well yeah thank you so much for coming on and hopefully we'll speak again soon